We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into another edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, also Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. I'm Chase Parm, and today on the show, Josh Nelson with Sox Machine. That is a podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He is an expert on the Chicago White Sox, and they've been pretty heavy in Ole Miss lately. If you look at it, in this year's draft, they picked Jacob Gonzalez with the 15th overall pick, first round pick there for the White Sox, and then three rounds later, in the fourth round, they nabbed Calvin Harris probably a round or two earlier than he was projected. Both those guys have signed. They have Lance Lynn in their starting rotation. And Tim Moko is a member of the White Sox. We talk about all those things, also just some random baseball topics with, uh, again, an expert on the White Sox. Pretty interesting show today for you. And, again, it is brought to you by Comer and Southern. They're not, they've got different names. But they are the same people, the same great products, and the same great services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding areas, call Comer at 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, that's Southern, 662-429-4429. This is the Oxford Exxon podcast for Friday as well. The Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West, ribs, lunch specials. Coming into town this weekend, stop in, fill up, check out their clean convenience store with so many different options in their hot case. Again, you can get the uh, ribs, let them take care of dinner, wet or dry, call ahead, wrap them up, ready to go there with the Blue Sky in Oxford. If you're in Clinton or Brookhaven, they got the homemade donuts every single morning. A lot of flavors. Those are going to spread throughout the state here soon. But right now, Clinton and Brookhaven for those donuts. Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Amory, Mississippi, Highway 25 South, Corey wants to be a truck guy, wants to be a car guy, he will take care of you, so let Corey help you wherever you are in the car buying process, he will uh, handle it from there, end up getting a car, getting whatever you need from Corey there in Amory, and all guests join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline, are you a displaced corporate executive wanting to get your career in your own hands, experienced entrepreneur waiting to diversify, Andy Ludicky can help. Multiple franchises, businesses, expertise to help others find their American dream through a thorough, thorough and free consultation process. That is Andy, MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net, 404-973-9901. As you can see, I'm wearing our, some of our latest Genteel gear. 
I said it a couple weeks ago, or actually last week, thanks to Gentile. They're helping me out with uh, some stuff for the uh, Tornado Relief Golf Tournament in Amory this weekend. Just great people, great products. We've gotten so many different uh, thanks and um, positive remarks with our MPW Digital line with Gentile and that partnership. Neil Ward in Nashville all week. So if you want to check it out, like what I've got on, got a really cool baseball pattern, got some golf pattern stuff. That's Gentile, G-E-N-T-E-A-L.com slash MPW or slash MPW Digital. Either one will take you there for that. So let's go ahead and get on to it. Here is Josh Nelson from Sox Machine on Henry's Guys and the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Josh Nelson now joining us, Sox Machine Podcast, one of our partners with Blue Wire as well. I talked to him, I guess, a week and a half ago now, something like that, as we uh, discussed what Jacob Gonzalez, Calvin Harris were like in college. Now let's flip it around a little bit. Let's talk about maybe what their path would be with the Chicago White Sox in Major League Baseball Josh, the draft is over. You're uh, back to just watching your team every day, that kind of thing. What's uh, what 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 does it change for you? I would assume you were pretty pretty stacked in at least some level of prospect draft stuff prior to uh, that happening. How, how how does your life change day to day to day now? Yeah. So Chase, after the MLB draft, we all sit on our hands waiting until the Chicago White Sox or players' agents, sorry, advisors announce how much they're going to be signing for. Uh, so usually we're waiting on Jim Callis, which I am very fortunate that Jim Callis and I have a good relationship. So I get some type of heads up when the White Sox prospects are going to sign. And, you know, they announced 17 of their first 20 picks signed. And then eventually Calvin Harris, that deal was announced. And then we were all waiting on their prep star that they took in the seventh round. Uh, that they went way over slotted George Welko, who is a local kid here in Chicago, uh, buying him out of his South Carolina commitment. After that, it goes, it, it depends. It's all about the trade deadline and the White Sox are terrible right now as we record this. So it's all focused on who they can offload. And for the Ole Miss crowd, one is an alum, Lance Lynn, that could possibly be moved before August 1st. So it goes from a direction of who are the White Sox adding that could help the team in two to four years to who are the White Sox offloading? (laughs) Yeah, you know, you mentioned it. White Sox 40 and 57 right now, 10 back, and what's a pretty poor division there. And the the, the AL Central, the Twins, clinging to a a small lead inside that division. I guess we'll start there because I wasn't necessarily going to talk about Lance first, but Lance having one of the more poor statistical years of his career, ERA up over six, whip up over 1.4 there in that White Sox rotation. What do you feel like his value is right now? I mean, he kind of had a resurgence over the last few years with multiple organizations, but this has been a little bit more of a trying year for him as he he starts to age a little bit too. He was was at Ole Miss from 06 to 08. Yeah, for Lance Lynn, there's two significant issues right now that he's battling in his age 37 season. One, left-handed hitters are crushing him unlike any other period in his career, and he's really struggling. So if he's going up against a lineup that's very left-handed heavy, uh, that's typically been doomed for Lance Lynn. The other part is that Lynn really struggled pitching out of the stretch, and with Major League Baseball implementing the pitch clock, he was one that I kind of circled on how he would fare because everybody else in the White Sox starting rotation grew up with the pitch clock in minor league baseball. Lance Lynn didn't. And when you are an old dog, and I'm not trying to say 37 is old, 
But in the major leagues, 37 is old, and you've never had to worry about a pitch clock before. It's going to throw you out of your rhythm. It's taken Lance Lynn some time to adjust. Now, what has happened in the last month is that Lance Lynn is showing some late life, and he's pitching more effectively in his last start. Yes, he gave up a couple home runs to the, to the Atlanta Braves, but he was able to go five and a third and hold his own for the White Sox to actually win that game against the Braves. And for teams around Major League Baseball, especially the contending teams, I don't think Lance Lynn's going to start a postseason game for you. I don't think that's where his value is. Where his value right now is that he has been very healthy, very dependable for Pedro Grafal and the White Sox, taking the ball and throwing at least 100 pitches and going five to six innings on the regular occurrence. And if you are a rotation like Baltimore or Tampa Bay, and you have three starting pitchers right now, and you have to go to a bullpen game just because of injuries or you're running out of starting pitching, you look at Lance Lynn and you can convince yourself this is someone that can help save our bullpen. So the bullpen is fresh when we do go into the postseason. If he makes the postseason roster, okay, maybe you don't feel great about it, but you do feel good about Lance Lynn every fifth day, taking the ball, giving you five to six innings. It might, it might vary, Chase, on what the quality is for five to six innings, but he'll at least give you that type mm -hmm. of length. And I think teams will look into that before the deadline and adding Lance Lynn just to help out in that facet. Yeah, guy with a lot of experience, World Series champion. He's pitched in the postseason before. If he ever got down to needing any innings at all, there for that. Well, what's the value though? I mean, if you're a team, what are you giving up for for that? Just from a pro baseball standpoint, uh, a player to be named later okay. is what you're probably giving up for Lance Lynn. There's still quite a bit of money left in this contract. He is getting paid 18 million dollars this year. You are past the halfway point of this season, but you're looking on taking $7 million. And that's the value for the white Sox is that they trade Lance Lynn. They get to save $7 million off of their books uh, for another team. You maybe take on that $7 million and don't have to give up a prospect of note. So I, I don't think teams are going to have to give up much for Lance Lynn, but I mentioned two teams, Tampa Bay and Baltimore. They're not the only teams right now that are contending that are struggling to fill out a five-man starting rotation. So there might be multiple teams of interest calling Rick Hahn and the Chicago White Sox about Lance Lynn services. And because of that leverage, maybe get someone a little bit more interesting than we thought a couple of weeks ago. I hope I'm not stepping over a lot of my future questions by asking this, but just in general to set this up, what is sort of the shape of the White Sox farm system right now? Bottom three. In Major League Baseball, player development has really stalled for the White Sox. And they had this gap before the season between who is interesting in high A, which the White Sox high A affiliates went to Salem and double A. Uh, shout out to all those that work out in Birmingham, Alabama that went to Ole Miss. Uh, that's the, the White Sox double A affiliate, the Birmingham Barons. And then there was just a gap at Charlotte, like not really interesting prospects. And whomever the White Sox call up from Charlotte, they are not performing well in Chicago this year. So you kind of have this prospect desert right now for the White Sox. They have a couple of interesting prospects and Coulson Montgomery, who I think is their number one prospect, the, the prep shortstop they took a couple of years ago. And Noah Schultz, the prep pitcher they took last year in the first round of Major League Baseball draft. After that, it's a lot of questions on what exactly do the White Sox have here? They may post big numbers in the minor leagues, but there seems to be some flaws that's preventing them from producing in the major leagues. And speaking to other prospect analysts and writers, when they update their top 100s and they update their 
Major League Baseball farm rankings, expect the White Sox to be 28th or 29th in Major League Baseball. You kind of led me in there, mentioning Colson Montgomery, number one prospect for the White Sox channel on MLB.com, because as we transition to Jacob Gonzalez, who uh, has signed for $3.9 million after being the 15th overall pick, obviously the Ole Miss shortstop for three years. I look at the White Sox board, and three of their top 10 prospects are shortstops um, per MLB.com, as I, I look it up this morning. I'm not necessarily path because I know that's the wrong word and a lot of stuff could happen, but what is in, in a best case, worst case or, or optimal situation, what is Gonzalez kind of looking at as he moves through that farm system? So I think for what I would hope to see from Jake Gonzalez is that we get a chance to see him in Kadapolis before this season's end. He's already had a long season. Obviously Ole Miss didn't make the postseason, So he's had a little bit of a break, but I'd like to at least see, Maybe in August, going into September, give us five weeks of a preview on what he could do, especially with the wood bat. I expect in 2024, Jake Gonzalez starting the year in Winston-Salem in high A because I think he's just too advanced for the competition in A ball uh, against Kannapolis. So that pretty much puts him a year behind the progression for Colson Montgomery. Colson Montgomery had this back strain that he suffered during spring training that uh, made him miss the first half of the season. Now, Colson Montgomery is back and the dude cannot get out in Winston-Salem. He's got an on-base percentage well above 400. I think his batting average is well above 400 right now. He's just too good for high A and he should be joining the Birmingham Barons shortly. I think for Jake Gonzalez, the White Sox are to continue to keep him at shortstop because there's always been a conversation with Colson Montgomery. He's six foot four. He's really tall for the position. I think he could stay at shortstop because I really like his athleticism. When he was playing high school ball in Indiana, there was some talk that he could walk on at Indiana's men's basketball team. They they switched head coaches and that opportunity went away, but that's the type of level of athleticism that Colson Montgomery had. Not only was he a D1 baseball scholarship athlete, possibly at Indiana, but maybe a basketball player as well. And he's demonstrated that during the minor league. So that's going to be the interesting comparison is that when you're watching Jacob Gonzalez and Colson Montgomery is how different they are on the athleticism. Now the white Sox really could use a third baseman. And you mentioned the other two shortstops in their top 10. They're not shortstops. They don't got the arm. They haven't demonstrated the athleticism or the range that you would like at the shortstop position. They're being nice at MLB.com. They are second baseman and they are fringe major league second baseman. So for Jacob Gonzalez, if he can join the White Sox farm system and do what Colson Montgomery has done, which is hit immediately and continue to show that he can stick defensively at shortstop, I think he's going to be a fast riser to the White Sox farm system chase in which we could see Jacob Gonzalez in the major leagues by 2025 because Yohan Makata at third base Last year, next year is his last year of guaranteed money. And then it's the club options. And sure, the White Sox have Jake Berger, but Jake Berger struggles defensively at third base. If Gonzalez joins the White Sox farm system, hits, maybe gets some playing time at third base, shows that he could stick at that position. As you know, and as everybody knows watching baseball, it's a lot easier moving shortstops to other positions mm -hmm. than it is moving first baseman. And that's been the White Sox biggest problem in the last couple of years. They're so trying to make first baseman play other positions. It has not been pretty. So for Gonzalez, if he could do those two things, I think he could be in the major leagues real quick.
What are you hearing from the pro side on what they kind of want to see from him just as far as his play? I mean, what's the what's what's the progression of the the report to what the White Sox would like to see improvement or make sure that that can happen for Gonzalez? Well, I think one is going to be more consistent consistency on defense. Uh, mm-hmm. If you pop in the film against LSU, especially in that Friday night game, not exactly pretty. Uh, for Jake Gonzalez. And we talked about this on our show when I was talking to a White Sox scout. They're going to be working on his throwing mechanics. And as you mentioned, our show will mention it here. Understanding that you have a strong enough arm that you don't have to rush everything. So that's number one is the throwing mechanics and being more consistent on defense. And they're going to be paying attention on what he could do on breaking pitches, especially in the outside corner. We're starting to see more and more, especially from right-handed pitchers, spin these sliders to the outside corner against left-handed bats. What can Jacob do with that particular pitch once he gets into the minor leagues? And as he moves up the minor league uh, system, he's going to face better and better sliders. So I think those are the two things right now, defensive consistency and what he could do with breaking pitches. When they took him, and I, I mean, maybe you answered this, but just to, to, to kind of bottom line it, was the hope that Montgomery and Gonzalez would be the left side of the White Sox infield for a while? I mean, is that is that perfect world for the White Sox? Well, if you speak to the director of amateur scouting, Mike Shirley, of the Chicago White Sox, they were just so impressed during the draft combine with their interviews with Jake Gonzalez that they just felt that if Gonzalez fell to pick 15, that he was going to be the best college bat available for the White Sox to take. Now, Kyle mm-hmm. Teal, the catcher out of Virginia, was going to be testing that theory, but he was taking the ne- the pick before Jay Gonzalez with the Boston Red Sox uh, at pick 14. But they just love his makeup. They liked what they saw on the field. They really liked the potential that he has, especially power-wise from the left-hand side, where Colson Montgomery is more contact, gap-to-gap, doubles right now we haven't seen a ton of home run power from colson montgomery they think that there is some sneaky home run power from jacob zales especially to the pull side and that's what's going to be interesting to watch is that maybe colson montgomery is a guy that hits 20 homers but hits 30 plus doubles where jacob zales might be the 25 to 30 home run guy and if he is, that plays better at third base than it does at shortstop. And it's been forever since the White Sox have had that type of third baseman with that type of power. So that's what's going to be interesting watching Jacob Zalas join the White Sox farm system. And this is going to be a fun debate for the next two years comparing Colson Montgomery and Jacob Zalas. But to your point, I think the end result eventually is that they are going to be on the White Sox left side of the infield at short and third. Who's going to be at short? Who's going to be at third? Time will tell. You mentioned Cal Till, clearly the best college catcher in the draft. There's at least the argument that Calvin Harris was the second best college catcher in the draft. The White Sox probably take him a round earlier than he was initially projected, grabbing him there in the fourth there. Uh, I think he signed for 600000 if I have that in front of me correctly, with uh, with the White Sox. There's some interviews and stuff going around the internet with uh, with Calvin today. Uh I, 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 you know, you mentioned to me right when we we were about to start your show, and I, the, the Harris had just gone to the White Sox. He said, "Hey, they need catching help. What do you think?" And all these different things. And it, he's such an interesting prospect to me because I do think the bat can play. There has always been raw schools, raw, raw skills, c- catching and receiving, and from that part of the thing. But there's just a lot of work to be done, and it seems like you know, take a guy in the fourth round, you're going to give him time to do that. So what's what's the sort of the initial setup with Harris there in Chicago? 
Yeah, with Calvin Harris, unfortunately for him, there is a lot of, I wouldn't say pressure. That's not fair. There's just a lot of hope because the White Sox are really struggling at the catchy position right now. They don't have a long-term answer at the catchy position. And there's a lot of guys that are catching the minor league games for the White Sox, but they really don't look like they have a path to the major league. So now here comes Calvin Harris and White Sox fans are hoping that they could catch lightning in a bottle here. Someone that can hit a little bit at the catch position, but can stick at the position defensively. I think for major league baseball, everyone is catching up because of the rule changes this year. Pop time and arm strength are more important than ever before. And that is something that we haven't paid a lot of attention to, especially from my perspective, when I'm scouting these guys and I'm trying to figure out who could possibly be on the White Sox draft radar is yeah. Pop time is, is nice and all, but framing and blocking are far more important the last few years than pop time and, and arm strength. Not anymore. Not, not the way that teams are running with the limitations on pickoff moves and such. So that's going to be of great interest in how Calvin Harris does behind the plate and how he can do as far as those stolen base attempts. If he could demonstrate that he's got the throwing arm and he hits a little, especially for power, Calvin Harris is another guy just like Jay Gonzalez that could quickly <laughs> move up the White Sox farm system because they just don't have a lot of answers right now catching wise. And it's just not like long term, like who's going to be a catcher for five to six seasons. There's questions on who's going to be catching for the White Sox next year. And 2025 just seems even more bleak for the White Sox. So like Gonzalez, Calvin Harris could definitely move up the system if he could demonstrate a good throwing arm or a strong enough throwing arm to give confidence to the White Sox scouts and player development that he can play at the major league level defensively. And if he hits, he's going to move quickly through the White Sox farm system. It's the show brought to you by Better Help. When you're at your best, you can do great things. Sometimes life gets you bogged down. You may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up the way you want to. You work with a therapist to help you get closer to the best version of you. Because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life throws at you. You know, sometimes you can talk to family and people around you, but they've got preconceived notions. They've got their own thoughts. And it's not always the best thing for you. So find a therapist. Find someone that's a blank slate that can help you in that way. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no charge. Turn your video on or off. Make it what you need it to be. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash M-P-W. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's take a break in the podcast to tell you about Prime Shrimp. You can get seven different flavors delivered directly to your door. A couple of my favorites, the Signature, the New Orleans-style barbecue. They're great for salads. They're great for lunches, quick snacks, or even dinner to feed your family. The summer's pretty busy, so let Prime Shrimp take care of you. Again, with all those different flavors, fewer than 10 minutes, freezer to plate, and you get restaurant-quality shrimp. They also offer the uh, two-pound bags of individually frozen shrimp, a lot like was at the grocery store, except a higher-quality shrimp from the New Orleans-based company. They're also available in Rouse's Markets if you have one of those nearby. But if you need a mail to you, we can help you out. You buy five pouches or more and use code RG, and you get 25% off. That's code RG, 25% off primeshrimp.com. Summer is here, and Heavenly Sunshine Property would like to take the opportunity to remind you about the importance of taking care of your outdoor living spaces. Regular maintenance is key to preserving the beauty and integrity of your home or business, and one of the most effective ways to maintain is through power washing. Some of the key benefits include increased curb appeal, damage prevention, creating a healthier environment. It also saves you time and money. They've been serving the Mid-South and Oxford for over four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash roof cleaning, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. Don't wait until it's too late. Contact Heavenly Sunshine today and get ready to enjoy a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. HeavenlySunshine.com or 662-342-1203. You get a free estimate. You can book that today. You can use code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Podcast also brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities, two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's nespark.com, 662-238-3159. Get the best internet in Lafayette County, also parts of Union and Pontotoc counties for those who previously did not have internet. And then last but definitely not least, G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They're right there on South Lamar in Oxford. They're my pharmacy. They deliver stuff to me every day. They do that for free. Free local delivery with G&M. Take care of all your pharmaceutical needs. They even help you transfer your medications. If you're using one of those big box pharmacies that doesn't care about you, switch to G&M. You make one phone call, they take care of the rest. Done, simple, easy. With GNM in Oxford or Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Again, that's 662 236 2222. Yeah, it's what I was talking about with you last time, is what I find so intriguing about him is that other than some consistency issues occasionally, and you'll you'll work on that and let that pass, receiving's really good, blocking's really good. You know, his mechanical issue is simply wandering back, floating a little bit, and that has a, an impact on pop times that has an impact on throwing and, and making that transition. So I'll, I'll be really curious with the development of the white Sox to see what they do with that, how they go about repairing it, mm-hmm. how they improve him, because the raw skills make a lot of sense in a lot of different ways with Calvin Harris. They, 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 they definitely do. It all sort of plays there, you know, and, and you mentioned it. I, I glanced at that list I had up earlier, the, uh, and it's probably a name only, as you said, but the, the white Sox top catching prospect is only number 27 in the system. That's, it's pretty far down there, Josh. That's not that's not ideal. Yeah, it, it's not. And, and the other thing too, when evaluating catchers in the minor leagues, 
we never know which minor league level is getting the automated strike zone until that season comes. And then all oh, of a sudden, yeah. Thanos snap. Well, receiving doesn't matter because the computer's telling you if it's a striker ball. And that's where it's been difficult for me and just like evaluating catchers. It's especially the defensive side. It's like framing is incredibly important. We need to pay attention to how many strikes and the consistency of the strike calls in the zone that catchers get. Well, if high a gets the automated strike zone next year, well, then it doesn't matter for Calvin Harris's receiving because the computer is going to tell the umpire if it's a ball or strike, then it's the other things too. I got to imagine and if you get a chance to talk to Kelvin soon, I would love to get his feedback on how he's preparing for that because it's got to be really difficult as a catcher now in today's baseball preparing if you're going to have the automated strike zone. Because if you are, how does that change what you do behind home plate? If you were a high school, college coach in general, the catching position, I just found this intriguing all the way around. How would you teach it now? Because I mean, you mentioned right. it, it's changing all the time. And you look, look at the college level, especially it's getting really lax on fundamentals. You're seeing a lot of the, the leg out stuff. They're not blocking. No. Well, they're not maintaining any sorts of posture. There's all these things that look very basic and against the entire nature of the position, but clearly they're operating in some way that is positive for what is currently going on in the college and the professional game. It's it's what's fascinating to me is I don't even really know what to look for or what to expect from these guys at the college level when, from which is what I cover because I, I look at it and go, well, that looks really sloppy or I don't like that. And then you also look up and go, yeah, but that may not matter. I don't know. Does is, is it even something that I care about moving forward? Right. And it, I think the follow-up question is going to be, are you set up this way? Cause it's easier for you to throw. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's really difficult. This is the one area in just baseball moving forward that I'm just scratching my head. Like I don't I'm with you, Chase. I don't know how to evaluate this position moving forward in the next couple of years. Like with Kyle Teal, he's one of these guys that was on a, a single knee. I'm not crazy about that, especially with the high spin rates that you see professionally of these sliders that pitchers are throwing these days. I think it really limits mobility behind home plate. But boy, he can snap a throw down a second base from that position. And I think that's why teams were so interested in Kyle Teal moving forward is his athleticism behind, behind home plate, the quick pop, pop time, the quick transition from glove to hand and making a throw down a second and accurate throw. And I wonder if that's what they're going to be teaching the minor league. So you may learn one way in high school and college, but as soon as you get in the minor leagues, you may have to learn a completely different manner. And if you are a great defensive college, uh, catcher at college, you might not be in the pros, or if you were a bad defensive catcher at college, you might be a great one professionally. That that's where it's yeah. going to be really confusing. Well, it's like in I'm, in I'm not saying Harris or the person I'm about to mention were bad, but it's he, he, I tell you who reminds me of it. It's an Ole Miss cop is Nick Fortes, who's the catcher of the Marlins, because mm-hmm. an Ole Miss an, an Ole Miss alum was not the best defensive catcher even on his own team when he was at Ole Miss. Cooper Johnson was on that team who kind of flamed out in the minors, but nonetheless, he's a really good college catcher, really good defensively the number one prep catcher out of high school. And Fortes played a bunch of different positions. He could play in the outfield, play first base, but you know what he could do? He could hit and he could throw. And they said, you know what? You, you've played the catcher position before. You were a catcher in high school. We're just going to take you and you know what your position is? It's the batter's box. We're going to do that. And then we'll figure out the rest of it from there. And made him into a very serviceable catcher at the, at the, at the major league level. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think now it's, hey, one, two tool, but if it's the right one, two tool, it can, it can absolutely play at that position. It's, 
it, it, it's sort of a crazy world as we move forward. It is. So hit. <laughs> if you're yeah, a catcher yeah, listening yeah. to this at high school, uh, <laughs> Blake Mitchell just got a lot of money from the Kansas City Royals. Uh, hit. That's what I would recommend. I wanted to ask you a little bit as we uh, get toward the end of the uh, podcast about Tim Oko. You and I discussed him sort of off camera last week. And I- I've been honest about this. Super guy that you root for, that you hope can carry it on as much as possible. But I thought he would hit a wall. I thought that at some point there's going to be the sliders are going to get a little too good. And an older guy, the White Sox don't have a lot of invested in him money wise. He's got the bad knee that we've obviously talked about and made legend out of at Ole Miss and all those different things. And I look up and I know it's just high A. I know he's in Winston-Salem, but he hasn't stopped hitting yet. Somebody told me that, uh, and this could be a completely made up stat, but somebody who I trust yesterday said he has more total bases than anybody else in the 22-22 draft class at this point. And again, mm-hmm. that that is a weird stat. doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it is meaning that he is hitting to this point. Uh, he, he's kept his OPS around 1,000 in Winston-Salem. He's striking out a ton. It's 30 33%, something like that. But for the most part, he's doing a lot of really, really good things. What do you sort of anticipate on a wall here? Birmingham, yeah. that is the brick wall for the White Sox farm system when it comes to hitters because – Winston-Salem and Charlotte for the White Sox are hitter-friendly. Birmingham's not hitter-friendly. And you want to talk about adjustments, this new ball that they've been using at AA, I don't know. I can't make heads or tails of what to do with this type of analysis with this tacky baseball that they're using. We're seeing insane spin rate improvements for pitchers, like 300, 400 RPMs. And then they go to Charlotte. Guess what? They don't have those RPMs anymore, and this slider's no good. Yeah because they're not using the same baseball. So it's like impossible to tell from a pitcher's perspective, but from a a hitter's perspective, now they're facing super crazy spin rates in double a. So everything is just broken in the Southern league, trying to evaluate both pitchers and hitters this year. So I hate it. If you can't tell by the tone of my voice, but once Elko gets to Birmingham is when things get serious. And if Elko's could get, continue slugging above 500 chase yeah there's a chance man i I, you don't see it often for white Sox hitters to slug above 500 in double a but elko had a 556 slugging in kannapolis he's got a 610 slugging right now in winston-salem yes he whiffs a lot But as we are learning in Major League Baseball, and this has been such a great debate, and I do enjoy this philosophical conversation, batting average is not as important anymore. It's about the quality of contact because it's really hard as we get closer to the postseason to strain three singles in a row in a playoff game. That's why the home run is so important in playoff games. And Elko is getting great quality of contact. So if he could continue this, and yeah, he may strike out 30% of the time. But if he is someone that could slug above 500 and he continues to do this at Birmingham, he'll do it in Charlotte. And if he gets a cup of coffee in the White Sox in a couple of years and he hits there, like I wouldn't put it past him, Elko, in reaching the major leagues. I know that may surprise some people. But I don't know what the White Sox team's going to be in the next couple of years. And they do have like a reload season. Maybe we do see Elko in two to three years with the White Sox and play a month there. And that would be a really cool story for this old Miss legend to be a $10,000 signee out of the Major League Baseball draft to the 10th round because he's a senior signing. 
and make his way to the majors. So whatever you're doing, Tim, continue to do this because the quality of contact has been very impressive. Yeah, because I mean, I, you know, I thought, okay, he's in Kannapolis and he's just gonna he, he's a he's a he's a really hard match for them. He's better than them. He hit in the SEC. That's that's whatever. But when he got to high, I went, oh well. Okay, maybe. I mean, yeah, there was like a little light bulb, but I know it's not double A. I know it's not Birmingham, but just went, hmm. Uh, one thing you mentioned there on quality of contact, it's what it was it's what I love about Calvin Harris at the next level is A, I think he's gonna hit with the wood bat, and two, he doesn't pop up. His uh 2023 pop-up percentage for bats is only two point nine percent. He hits the ball on a line, he, he really hit he makes really good contact. I thought that he analytically he has some things that make a lot of sense at the uh the pro level once he puts a wood bat in his hands there's no there's there's, there's no doubt about that so and, and i think that's why the white Sox went over slot with calvin harris in the fourth round because the white Sox catching problems they're not the only ones everyone in major league baseball is really struggling at the catching position just trying to find defensive catchers has been problemsome for a lot of major league baseball teams so Calvin Harris, just like Jay Gonzalez, even though Gonzalez gets a pedigree of being a first round pick, there's going to be a lot of attention on Calvin Harris in the White Sox farm system. The balls and the different levels and automated strike zones. Is there a discussion in scouting circles of I get being test leagues, but it's also harming our development and ability to scout? I mean, what is the balance there on, hey, trying out all these things and doing all these things versus simply needing to evaluate your prospects and your players in a, in a, in a neutral baseline situation. I mean, what, 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 what does that fall eventually? Well, I think what front offices of major league baseball are doing is not trusting scouts eyes anymore and just trusting the data. And that's why, unfortunately, and I, I don't think this is the right direction for major league baseball to go down to. And I'm a big data guy is to rely so much on the track man data the stat cast data they have in the minor leagues we're starting to get a taste of it in the triple a level on baseball savant uh so for those that are mlb fans i know people go to baseball savant to get the stat cast data for mlb but you could get it for triple a but i i think the team's just leaning on the data right now to tell them if a guy's ready or not to be moved up what i think scouts could tell you is the preparation the off the field stuff can they handle failure because we do see a lot of players rushing through farm systems as of late. But man, when they get a taste of failure, it's like they go off the cliff chase into failure. And they never recover because they've just never failed before. It's the first time they've ever failed. Like they raked in high school, they raked in college. Now they get to like double A and they're hitting 250 and they don't know why. And I think that's why scouting is still important. So I think scouts today in major league teams are more focused on the soft skills and paying attention to and how they are adopting to professional baseball life. But I think teams in the front office are making their decisions based on the type of data that they're seeing in game. How did you grade the White Sox draft as a whole? Well, I think it's really tough to grade and I'm learning my lessons because I used to provide grades like, oh, I think this is an A grade and only like two guys make the major league. So it's definitely mm -hmm. not an A grade. I like the Jake Gonzalez pick a lot. I think White Sox fans will enjoy him. I'm going to be on the old Miss side here. I am not a fan of the Grant Taylor draft uh, selection, the second round. I get what people were saying in fall ball. Great that he did that in fall ball. We did not see mm -hmm. that in spring because he's hurt. Mm -hmm. And you paid him slot. You paid him a lot of money for a second round pick. And with Taylor, 
he's got Tommy John. He's going to start 2024 late. He will not be ready for a full season. We don't know if he's going to be a starting pitcher because he didn't start at LSU. He pitched out of the bullpen. So what? You're telling me a college pitcher, I got to wait until 2025 to see if the White Sox are patient enough to try him as a starting pitcher? The White Sox were not patient with Garrett Crochet. They used him in the bullpen immediately. So if Grant Taylor in 2024 shows the high velocity of 98, 99, and someone gets the idea in the White Sox farm system, you know what? This velocity is too premium. We're not even going to bother making him a starting pitcher. We're just going to make a reliever. Then why did you take him in the second round? You need more starting pitchers. Uh, that's why I like the Seth Keener pick in the third round. I like that more than I, I like the Grant Taylor. So everyone else in the draft, I, I will keep an open mind. That second round pick at Grant Taylor. I apologize, Grant, but man, I am going to be looking at you at the microscope. It's not you so much. It's more. And what is the White Sox thinking with these types of picks? Yeah, and also shows you that Tommy John is just completely irrelevant. No one cares. Fix it. Move on. They're all going to have it, so it just doesn't. It, it, it doesn't <laughs> even play into right? the. Well, I mean, you know, look, I mean, look at Ole Miss. I mean, you know, they win the 2022 national title of their ten NCAA tournament game wins. Eight of those were from Dylan Delusha or Hunter, or Hunter Elliott. Both those guys blew their elbows out in the next six, eight months. And it's not Ole Miss's fault. It's just down road. I mean, there, there's lots of reasons for it. I mean, at least they have this new hyper procedure. It seems to be potentially getting some guys back in under a year now. I mean, I, I do think there's some moves to make the UCL surgery a lot like the ACL, where it's just simply yeah. a science and you, you do it and you're back and it is what it is. But, yeah, more and more you're seeing it, frankly, in NIL dollars in college, what colleges are doing to get high school kids who have had Tommy John and then the major league level as, as well. It just it just seems like it almost has become this semblance of a, a positive instead of a negative, even if you've had it. Yeah, but we are learning from Payne Paulette, which the White Sox used a second-round mm -hmm. pick on Paulette out of Arkansas. He's breaking off a lot of rust. A lot of rust. And yeah. I like the Paulette pick more than the Grant Taylor pick because if you're selling me on a starter, Paulette started. I saw him start in Arkansas. I know that his stuff could carry four, five, six innings. We got no idea for Grant Taylor, and we're going to have no idea into 2025. And, man, that's just a tough sell to White Sox fans. Yeah. He is Josh Nelson, Sox Machine Podcast, again, member of Blue Wire been pretty neat the last few weeks to uh, do a little back and forth there. So, Josh, have a good day. Appreciate it. Let's uh, let's talk again when the uh, subject arises. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Hotta toddy. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.